guys know Nisha as she leads us so often in worship and leads this house so well. And it's a, a, a massive gift that she carries to worship. But you're going to actually get to experience a different gift that she carries that's so super powerful that you're going to watch uh, continue to unfold in the days and months and ahead as she has a, a power in speaking and anointing on, on sharing the Father's heart and what God's doing. So, Nisha, thank you. We love you. Thank you. Love we'll you. The, we'll do the oh, this is on. <laughs> there you go. All right. Hi, guys. So good to be with you today. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. It's incredible to be with you guys. And I just, I do want to say thank you so much. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. Thanks, Robin. You're the best. Yeah, as, as Ryan said, um, him and Kate invited me to share my heart with you guys this morning. And this is actually the first time I've gotten to share this testimony with a group of people besides a smaller group or the schools that I've been a part of in the past. And so I feel so expectant all week. I was traveling North Carolina, came back, and on the plane, the Holy Spirit was just downloading some stuff, reminding me of some things, and even just encouraging my heart for you guys and for what he wanted to do today. And so I deeply believe that the Lord is going to restore parts of our story today, the ones that have been the most broken, neglected, and discarded parts of our story. Maybe the ones that we're even afraid to look at because there's pain that feels shameful. There's pain that has kept us locked up there. But I, I feel so expectant for what he's going to breathe into those places today. Yeah? So I'm going to pray for myself and for you guys. <laughs> But um, Jesus, I mean, and I just, I'm so thankful for Zarina and Jake. It's, it's so fun. I'm used to being up here, you know, for worship. So this is a new experience, getting to be in front of you in a different way. But I'm so thankful for what they brought this morning because that really is the exact heart of what I hope this is just a continuation of a ministry time of the Father's love to you today. And so, Jesus, thank you for being here already. Thank you for how you have met us in love so powerfully whether we've experienced your love once before, whether we're here wanting a touch of your love, God, we just invite your presence to come and radically meet us. Jesus, thank you for every way that you have met me as a father, tangibly, practically, specifically, you've loved me. And I just pray that anything you've done for me, God, you would do it again today. Do it again. Multiply the testimony. And I just pray that you'd speak, Holy Spirit, that even if there's just words that I'm sharing would your spirit ride on this today? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as I was on the plane coming back from North Carolina, I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, I want you to speak a declaration over the hearts of men. So before I jump into my story, just wanted to ask, I know this is something funny we do in church culture, like, will you stand? But what it does is it signifies to your body, like, I'm here, I'm present. And so, men, I wanted to invite you, if you'd be willing, you're welcome to sit if that would be better for you to receive. This isn't a performance. It's for your heart, whatever you need to do. But I would invite the men to either stand or put their hands out. And I just want to speak a declaration over you, if you would let me. Um, and I felt like this was coming from the heart of the Father. And women, we know... And we believe at Living Waters as a team that men and women both represent the full nature of God in such a unique way. And we need both, right? It's not just one. It's not the diminishment of one so that one can be empowered. And so women, we know that even as we bless these men, let's agree with this declaration over their hearts that they, as they step up and rise more, we rise more with them. Amen? Yeah, so men, you are the power of God incarnate. You are his warriors, 
His pioneers and adventurers trusted with the divine ability to protect, fight, discover, impart, and love. You are the weather-scarred hands and the grit of the fight. You are enough. You are artists, lovers, dreamers, builders, and doers. We will not be who we need to be in humanity without you. At this time in history, you are needed more than ever in your homes, your kids' lives, your marriages, in finding your true vocation, in emotional health, in connection, taking risk, fighting for what you are passionate about. We call you to come fully alive. You are seen and you are safe to be the full breadth of strength that you carry in this house, in this community. We welcome all of you to the table. And I feel like there's some men that have held back because maybe you thought your strength was scary to women or it was scary to people. And I feel the Lord beckoning you out of that today to say your full strength is needed for these times. You teach us what God is like, men. You are not men of passivity, but men of true peace. So today... We declare war over the shame that has tried to subdue and diminish you. Any area where there has been shame generationally passed down from lack, from abuse, from generational things in your fathers, grandfathers, and brothers, we cover you with the blood of Jesus in Jesus' name today that you are grafted into a new family line with a father who says you are a son and everything I have is yours. I have an inheritance for you that you couldn't create or work for yourself you get to be part of the family business. I feel him, I feel a father wants to initiate you where you felt like you missed that from an earthly father. Any area you missed initiating, he is gonna come and initiate you. Even now, it's not too late. He wants to show you the ropes. He wants to impart identity and great inheritance to you. You are men of power moving towards connection and dreams and humility and tenderness passionate entrepreneurs, creatives, and brothers. And we bless all of who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you men so much. And just even as, we were, as I was writing this declaration, Jesus just really put on my heart to say to the men and women, would you even agree with me in this, that as women, I, as a woman, I want to apologize on behalf of women and for the way that maybe sometimes we've treated you. And for the way we've undignified you in our speech, even in our culture abroad, you know, our culture and society. I ask for forgiveness to you men, like every single one of you, for the way your moms, your sisters, your mothers, daughters have pushed you down, maybe dimmed your light or diminished you in any way. Our words as women can be cutting. <laughs> Sometimes we don't recognize the weight of them. Forgive us for the rejection, accusation, blame, and control that we've used wrongly against you. It's time for the men to rise, and there is more than enough room for you. And I think sometimes as women, in our effort to be free and powerful, you know, we love women who are powerful and free. We, we promote women at Living Waters, but in in our broad culture, not just talking about our church, but in the broad societal culture, in, in the feminist movement, sometimes there's a negative connotation that's come with that that says, men, you need to actually get smaller so that we can be fully present. Like, you've persecuted us for hundreds of years and centuries, so it's our turn. And there is such a, I believe, a demonic attack in that to actually break the heart of men 
and to push them down. And as the church, as women in the church, we want to say we want all of you. And we disagree. We cancel the lie that you need to be less so that we can be more. That is not true. From this day forward, as women, we need you to be fully alive so that we can be fully alive. You thrive, we thrive. That's the truth in the kingdom. We serve a bigger, better kingdom, you guys, than the kingdom of this world. When you get big, we grow alongside of you. Two can put 10,000 to flight. Amen? Two is better than one. We need both of the genders. So I just want to speak to you men that um, you are so needed. And please forgive us in any place that we as women have have used our power with our words and our, our reactions, our emotions to actually teach you something negative about who you are. It's not true. We need your strength. We need your tenacity. We need your ability to switch from thing to thing. We need your ability to go do. Like the areas that we sometimes are like, if you would just do this like a girl. We repent for that. We need to see you because you teach us what God is like in a way that we don't have as women. And I saw a picture as I was praying this. This was all like, you know, coming on the plane (laughs) into my heart like typing feverishly on my computer. And I saw a picture of a men wearing armor, like going out to battle. And there was, um, where the armor stopped right at the rib cage, there was a wound where an arrow had pierced. And I saw like blood coming out and it was like leaking your strength. And I don't know who this is for you, maybe online or maybe here today, but I felt like there were some men that have been wounded in the fight and it has almost like leaked your strength And I felt the Lord saying, there's no shame in being wounded. There's no shame. I think as men sometimes, I know from brothers and relationships that sometimes men have felt this need to carry the strength. But I just felt the Father saying to you, there's no shame in you being wounded. You weren't weak. That's not why you were wounded. There was a spot where the arrow got in, and it's been leaking power. And I just felt the Lord say, there's a master surgeon here and a whole community who will stand guard for you while your wound is dressed so you can pick up your fight again, if you're willing to. And even in that, if that is any of you, I just want to bless your heart and also invite you. This is, I've never done this before, but I felt like the Lord said, call them back to counseling. (laughs) So I don't know who that's for, but I was like, I feel like for some men, the healing that is going to take place for you is going to be in being seen and known and exposing some of that woundedness and I know there's lots of men here who can testify. We have amazing men in our soul care team and who are counselors in our body that have been pursuing this. There's incredible men's groups being created out of this house. And I just encourage you guys, like, don't be alone in the fight. Like, join with other dudes and let them stand guard for you while you heal. Yeah? The Lord's going to meet you really powerfully in that invitation. Yeah? So, pause for effect. <laughs> just teasing. I just really needed water. Um, I'm holding paper because I need something tangible, so sorry if that's distracting for you. I move as I talk. I'm, this story that I want to share with you is my story. Um, it is not the finite healing of all healings. It is an ongoing, moving process of healing. And so today, I hope, if anything, you feel invited into process with the, with the Father. And are you guys okay if I just crack open my heart with you? 
Um, I may look at my notes a lot just because this is highly emotional for me in sharing this publicly. And it's not because I don't want to make eye contact with you. <laughs> it might just be so I don't lose my place. Because I want to get out everything that the Lord wants to say today. Um, so I, I grew up in a little town called Sisters, Oregon. Anybody have heard of Sisters? Yeah! Woo! And I have two older brothers, a little sister, and I was very privileged to grow up in a beautiful place with 10 acres and lots of room to run around. My parents loved the Holy Spirit. They met in YWAM Kona in the 80s. And I'm just so thankful for the connection with the Holy Spirit that was introduced to me at a young age. And honestly, that is so much of, that is the reason that I made it through some of this story. Um, I'm gonna dive right into it. So I was nine years old. And I remember my mom packing me and my brothers, and um, my sister was a one-year-old at the time, into our car in Sisters, and driving us to San Jose, California. And I watched my mom, she was weeping, and I was like, something is clearly wrong. And I asked her, like, Mom, what's, are you okay, and where's Daddy? And I remember she said to me, Daddy's very sick, and we need to go see Grandma and Grandpa for a while until he gets better. And at that point in my life, I then realized and learned that my dad was struggling with um, bipolar disorder and was diagnosed many different things at different times, but essentially was really struggling with mental health. And it was getting so intense in their marriage and so unsafe that we had to go stay with my grandparents for a season. And this started a, I would say about a seven year journey of our family walking through some of the most traumatic years of my life. And I won't go into all of those details, but I do think it's important to acknowledge the pain and to speak about what actually happened because in our wounds, we're healed. By his wounds, we're healed. And I think he gives us this ability that if we'll be willing to share our wound with each other, the supernatural power of Jesus and what he did through his wounds flows through us. And he actually can heal through your wounds too. So I'm believing that even in sharing these parts of my story that still feel raw in some places. Um, and so for the next six years, we actually moved from Oregon to Fresno, California to help, hopefully help my dad get into a, a center where they were helping families deal with mental illness and get some of the behavior under control and help with medication, all that. And what happened was essentially like the ch because of the choice he made our family ended up unraveling, and we found out later that he had evaded all of the, a lot of the counseling sessions and a lot of the times we thought he was going to get help and be at the center. And, and we were supposed to be there for two years for this healing, moved back to Oregon, ended up being six. And I want to just pause for a second because um, if for any reason, this is being streamed, and if for any reason my dad ever saw this someday, I just want to say, like, I love you, Dad. And this is my story. This isn't his story. And I feel like I, I want to share this in trust that the Lord's going to use this, but also knowing that he has a different story. And I'm not here to tell his story today. I'm here to tell mine. Yeah. So the next years were filled with um, a lot of pain. My dad became more tense and volatile emotionally and on occasion physically abusive to me and my siblings, my mom. And eventually it led to a really hideous separation and finally a divorce. Um, the four-year separation involved really awful court battles involving us kids having to testify against my dad, 
restraining orders for his extreme behavior, and way too many counseling visits that like culminated in my heart as a young teen just shutting down. And this is where a turning point happened. I was 15, living in Fresno, and I lived for the summers when I could come up to Oregon and go to Camp Crestview. <laughs> Do you guys know Crestview? This is where my story with you all started. And Ryan and Kate were directing that camp that year. I was 15. I think Andy was leading worship. I think Rose was singing. She's back there. And I remember in worship having the most powerful encounter with the Lord, where his love filled my whole being. And so much of the pain that had been locked under this iron wall that I had to keep up, right? Because I had to be safe in my house. So there was a lot of walls. There was a lot of depression, numbness. I honestly didn't feel much of anything. And I remember this like melting came over my heart and I wept just all through worship. Went back to my cabin, my cabin leader, Allison. Love that woman so much. Um, she led me and our cabin mates in a time of like forgiveness. And I had never, it had never occurred to me that I needed to forgive my dad up until this point. And I realized, oh my gosh, I actually have to forgive him for like all of this, all of this stuff. But the problem was it was still happening, like in real time. I was like, how do you forgive someone when the things are still happening? It wasn't in something in the past. And I just felt the Holy Spirit nudge me like, it's a choice and I'll meet you if you'll just step out in faith. And so honestly, guys, I remember sitting there like my stomach was in knots and I was like, oh, I don't wanna say this, it feels not true. It feels inauthentic to say I forgive this person that like ruined my childhood and life. And I just felt the Lord again be like, Nish, if you'll just, if you'll just trust, if you'll just choose me. And so I remember just there with my cabin saying like, Dad, I forgive you. And you guys, that, that week was incredible, that week at Crestview. God did such a deep work in my heart. I had to then leave, go back to Fresno for another year of the crazy before we finally ended up getting to move back to Oregon. But what happened in my heart, I cannot even describe. It was like going from black and white to color in matter of hours like my heart came alive i remember just being with my friends and eating in like the little cafeteria room and being like this is what it feels like to live like my heart is fully here again and forgiveness was that key for me so fast forward um oh no i want to share this so in that season of life i i remember reading psalm 68 5 through 6 and some of you guys know that. It says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. And he leads out the prisoners with singing. Gosh, and I remember seeing that, and singing was like the place I felt safe, you know, is where I've experienced joy. And I was like, that's me. Like, he's leading me out of the prison into joy. And he said he could be a father. And I remember very curiously asking the Lord, like, you say you can be a father to the fatherless. You wrote it in your word, so it has to be true. So, like, God, will you come be my father? I don't know how you're going to do that. You're like a spirit being, and I'm a physical human. But I need, to under, I, I need to, like, heal in the ways. I was so awkward with men. I didn't know how to talk to guys. I didn't know how to talk to older men. I always felt nervous around them. And I felt like, the father just said, yeah, ask me, and I will fill this for you. So then moving in, into that invitation in my heart, I ended up moving to YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission, 
um, in Australia. I went to a discipleship training school and just experienced inc incredible things. I could talk to you guys for hours about the way he parented me in that season of my life. But today I'm just gonna tell you a few of those moments because we would be here for way too long. <laughs> I'm already sweating. How about you? Probably just the nerves. Um, I remember the first week in YWAM, it was the Father Heart of God topic. And I remember weeping on the floor of my DTS outbuildings, listening to ABBA, the song by Jonathan Helser. It had just come out. Woo! Johnny, a little plug. And I just remember layers and layers of grief and just melting away my heart. And I had to pour so much grief out of my heart in order to heal. And that's a huge deal for a lot of us. It's like sometimes what needs to heal, we just have to be willing to grieve. I remember during that week them talking about calling God Father, calling him Abba, calling him Daddy. And in that season, when I said the word Dad, it was like a dirty word to me still. I had started forgiveness, but there still wasn't restoration. There still wasn't trust or healing. And I remember feeling sick in my stomach thinking about calling God Dad. Like that just felt like a curse. And again, on that week, I lay on the floor weeping, Staff prayed for me. The Holy Spirit met me. And I remember at the end of the week, I started calling God Dad. And it actually now, to this day, I still pray and call him Father. It's like he even changed the feeling of the word in my body, you guys. Like he's that, he cares that much about it. I started journaling God's voice during this time and relearning what the Father is like, like learning how to hear his tone correctly. Because I always heard his tone through this like, ugh, aggressive, you're not enough, like this. I heard it through my, the lens in which I perceive my father, right? For a lot of us here, that's probably been true. Without even knowing it, maybe, we've perceived the Lord's voice through our parents' voices. So he started teaching me what his voice really sounded like. And I remember him saying to me, Nisha, dare me to prove my love to you. Like, he was just kind of like, just dare me. Like, he was so confident, you guys. And I was like, okay. And in that season, we were going through a crazy drought in Australia, and I love rain so much. I love weather and seasons, and hala, right? And so I just said to the Lord, okay, Lord, if you really love me, make it rain. <laughs> and I woke up the next morning, and I will never forget the first sound I heard and it was the downpour of the rain in the middle of an Australian drought. And it continued to rain for two weeks, guys. Two weeks! So he really loves me a lot. <laughs> and it just, it was like with every drop of rain, he was like healing my heart and fathering me. I'm not kidding, guys. It was like every speaker that carried father heart during that season of life they saw me. It was like Jesus painted a target on my chest and it was like, go father her. I, he did it. I remember uh, one speaker who I learned later was dear friends with my parents in YWAM, so beautiful, he actually knew my father. He spent hours and hours with me just talking, asking me questions about my dreams, my destiny, helping me plan out like the future, like with finances and creativity. He just l loved on me like an uncle, you know, like a father. And I learned how to interact with men so much through him. I also 
felt that Jesus took so much time during these years to make sure I was seen. Because in middle school and high school, I felt so invisible and so unseen in a shattered family. And it was like through these couple years, he just kept being like, Nisha, I see you. I see you. I see you. Making sure I knew. I began learning that my father and fathers love meeting their kids in very specific ways that delight their heart. And I had never known that. There's one week, this is wild. I love telling this story. There's so many more stories, guys. We'll have to get coffee, okay? But in this one moment, I remember really processing with the Lord. I don't know what it looks like to interact with a father in this way. And specifically, I was like, God, you're not physical. Like, you can't come hug me when I need a hug. You can't put your arm around me. Like, I don't, I remember telling the Lord, God, I don't even know what it feels like to be held by a dad. Like, I don't remember that. I was like 11 or 12 when my dad was out of the house. And I felt him just be with me in that moment and hear my, my heart cry. I'm not kidding, you guys. Within like two days, there was a speaker named Ken Helser, Jonathan Helser's dad, um, and he came to YM Brisbane to speak on the Father Heart of God, but really he more just demonstrated the Father Heart more than he really taught anything. <laughs> and he was finishing a session. I was the hospitality girl at the time, and so I was waiting for him and his wife to be done. All the students had left. I was a first-year staff, and I went up to Ken to say, like, hey, let me show you guys your room. And it was like lightning struck his face. And he stopped. <laughs> he sat on a chair, grabbed me, put me on his lap, threw his arms around me, started rocking and singing. And I'm not kidding, guys. It was like projectile tears came out of my face. It was like zero to 100 in five seconds where I just was like, what is happening? Okay, I'm encountering God. Like something's going on. And you know, that could have been such a weird moment. This like 65-year-old gangly man puts a 20-year-old on his lap and his wife's right there. I think she was more astonished than I was. <laughs> she also knew how the Holy Spirit worked through him, so I think she was like, oh, this is just Ken following the Lord. But you guys, as he rocked, I felt layers of healing just deeply go into my heart as I felt the arms. And I knew those arms weren't Ken's, they were God's. And I heard Ken literally said this as he's rocking me. He was like, sometimes a little girl just needs to be held by her daddy. Jesus! Literally, that week I had prayed that, you guys. Like, God, I don't know what physical affection looks like from a dad. Like, how are you going to teach me that as a spirit? He will do it for you. He will impart it to you. He will make sure that your heart gets met. Gosh! So this, there's so many more stories I could tell you. I won't, we're gonna move on because there's so much good to get to. It began healing my heart towards my father and it really started teaching me that he, when I, you really heal from father wounds, you start to have hope and actually love for the very person that wounded you. And I began to have vision for a, even if, even if I never got the benefit of relationship with my dad, I began wanting the best for him. I began praying for him. I began having dreams about him prophetically, like being healed. It was incredible, you guys. And so looking back, um, I realized there's a cycle of healing the Lord took me through. And 
this is a cycle that I just want to share with you because it was so powerful for me. And it's a cycle that I'm still in, that I'm still learning from. And um, I think Rose is going to put these up on the screens. But do you, guys, do you guys know what healing is? I think we think it's when like the skin of a wound heals back and the flesh is all dewy again. Or we think like, oh, when it stops hurting. But healing to the Lord? I love this. Cy Rogers says, true for the body, true for the soul, right? When the, when the body, when a bone breaks in the body, it actually heals back stronger. The scar tissue is actually stronger than what was initially there. And I feel like that's so the Lord's heart. When the very person or thing that wounded you, you now love and bless. Your heart's actually stronger where the wound used to be. So I, I hope these slides are coming up. They might not. But the first cycle of the healing for me that happened was Stage one, pain, recognizing the wound and naming it. And essentially that's, you can't heal unless you feel. The second stage for me was grief. And that was exploring, acknowledging, and validating all of the negative effects this had, not leaving anything out. Grief looked like facing the painful emotions and taking time to feel the loss of what should have been or could have been. And it also took time. And I want to say, like, this grief often happens in stages and waves. Like, there was a deep grief process that happened for me for a couple years, but then often it's like the joyful moments later in life that the grief comes up again. And a lot of y'all know that, who've walked through that, but sometimes it's the really happy moments where you're like, oh, I just wish this person was here. And then your heart gets to grieve another layer. You can't put a time limit on it. The third stage of this cycle of healing for me was forgiveness. Sometimes forgiveness and grief swap places. It's not an order. Just go with what the Holy Spirit invites you into. <laughs> but it is often impossible to truly forgive unless you've grieved, or at least acknowledge the grief. Forgiveness is a choice. And sometimes as believers, we want to skip right to the forgiveness without the pain and the grief. Can't do it, guys. It's not a true, authentic forgiveness unless you own it so you can give it away. Unforgiveness, okay, sorry, forgiveness is releasing the person and the pain, truly letting go of the right for justice on our own terms. Unforgiveness doesn't punish anyone. Like, I thought I was punishing my dad, right, with the unforgiveness. It actually imprisons us, and I love what Danny Silk says. He says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting someone else to die, right? And guys, forgiveness is a freaking superpower. Like, I really believe this. It is this supernatural gift God gave us as humanity to have a divine exchange where we were pierced, where there was pain. We give him something, we release it, and then he gives us strength and healing back. It's like, it's supernatural. It's, we, I think we don't quite understand the full weight and power of forgiveness. I dare you to, play, to just, you know, discover it a little more if you haven't already. Another important thing, forgiveness does not equal trust. It doesn't mean that person automatically comes back into your life or that they have actually proven they can respect boundaries or be trusting, right? But it does mean a release of your version of justice. And forgiving does not invalidate the pain you went through. That was my hardest reason, like for forgiving, that was the hardest thing for me in forgiving. I felt like if I forgave, it was saying the pain wasn't real or as if it wasn't a big deal. But actually forgiveness says, 
I need a supernatural divine touch in order to let go of this pain. It's that big of a deal. It matters that much. So the next stage after forgiveness is mercy. When we've come through grief, feeling the pain and forgiveness, we step into this place of recognizing the brokenness and need in the very person that wounded us. Being able to see their pain and receive compassion for what they went through, and it changes everything. We end up getting Jesus' love for them and seeing them through God's eyes. And the final stage of this is hope. And this is essentially where the love, the way that you've seen them, the truth about who they are comes into your heart and you're able to have hope. You remain in love. You're wanting their best, being able to have thankfulness for who they are and a renewed desire to see them thrive, even if it doesn't benefit me. So I would love to tell you guys that this all, that that cycle of healing like happened for me and it's done and never have to do it again and that I had this perfect happy reconciliation with my dad and that we're like all great now and all of it has healed in the physical. But that's not true. I actually still don't have relationship or contact with my dad. But my heart has a wide open door to him that says if ever you choose to heal and choose to take back your life, I have a space for you right here. And he knows that, he know, he, I've communicated with him, like here are the ways that you could build back trust and we could have relationship. And I still believe for that. And I know that even if I don't get to have a relationship with him in this life, the healing, the way that the Father has fathered me has been so deep and real. And I couldn't have gone through what I went through the last three years, which I'm about to end with, if I hadn't walked through the Lord teaching me how to be fathered. Yeah. So after this beautiful radical season of being taught fathering from Jesus, I actually stepped into a season where three father figures like publicly failed and like broke trust with me. And this brings me to last year. Um, which during COVID, it was like, what, that hit in March. So in April, um, we got some news that deeply affected our family. So about five years ago, my mom got remarried, and it was like this miracle. It was this incredible redemption story for us. My mom had been single for 15 years. We had been always longing for her to have a man in her life. We had been longing as kids to have even just like a, male figure around. And so um, we celebrated for four years just this beauty of a redemption story and this man stepping into our lives. He was leading a prominent healing ministry at the time and um, really did bring some beautiful things into our lives. However, last year in April, um, a letter was sent to his overseer and associates, which essentially exposed his life and it, show, it showed us that he was not the person we thought he was. And everything that we thought that he was was a lie, actually. And it, what it unearthed was betrayal beyond belief. That's an understatement. And I, I'm not gonna share details with you in order just to protect my family and my mom and also him. I don't think there's any purpose in speaking the devil's work. <laughs> you know, unless you're talking to a friend or a counselor. 
That's really, really, really good. <laughs> but that pain and betrayal, you guys, it, it sent me right back into the middle of that cycle of healing where I'd had 10 years of being fathered by the Lord so deeply, and then last April, it was like a bomb went off in our family, and I watched my siblings splinter in their hearts in all kinds of ways, and my mom is just, you know, devastated. And we're, we're on the path to healing, but we're somewhere in that cycle again, you know, of like experiencing the Lord as Father. And I share that because I think there's so many of us I know for me growing up, I needed to see leaders in the midst of process, and I didn't always see that. And if anything, I would just love to say to you guys, like, we have mess and process too. I mean, hello, you can see it, but you are welcome and have permission to be in process right now, where you are at. There was moments last summer where I was crying through worship, and y'all probably thought it was spiritual, but it was me grieving. For real, and like talking to Ryan and Kate and being like, guys, I shouldn't be on the leadership team right now. Like my heart is smashed to smithereens. I'm asking so many questions. What was that prophetic word and what was that? And this dude was supposed to be this answer. Everyone gave the green light. How did we not see this? How did the ministry that he led, how did they not see it? So there were so many moments that were like, whoa. Messy. This leads me to my final story, which is beautiful, and how God will use us, use the places of pain. I got the opportunity, so the fast forward a year, that was last April, this April, I got to go to a little songwriting retreat in the mountains. And we were paired with random people from all over, and we were meant to write a song in like one day. And it could be about anything, didn't have to be worship, it was just essentially like unlocking the creative heart. And I got paired with three awesome people. Three awesome people. And there was one person that I immediately was like, oh no, Lord, what are you doing? And um, I w- in that moment, um, one, of the, one of the guys in the group was named Greg, is named Greg, and he's, a, he's a, more of a father age. And it was the same height, build, and accent and the same city location originally as my stepfather. And the, the parallels were so uncanny and I instantly felt the trigger and the wall, the iron wall, right, that I had even in childhood. I felt it go up. And we're sharing in our circles, we're supposed to just get to know each other in this time and I'm like triggered, you know, where you're like, oh, this poor guy, it's not even his fault, like it's my issues, but I can't even freaking write a song with this person now. And like, I don't want to cry in front of these people. And I felt the Holy Spirit just go, Nish, if you'd just be willing to share your woundedness, if you'd just be willing to be vulnerable. And the session right before this was on how our weakness is our strength. It was on, my friend was preaching on vulnerability and how if you go into your sessions in vulnerability, you'll be amazed at what God creates through you. And I was like, dang it, you set me up. I literally felt the Holy Spirit kind of giggling, but also very tenderly nudging me. Like, you can share this with these people. I'm like, I'm not gonna share the most painful part of my life with these people who don't know me. And this poor man who's gonna think that I'm like, you're the problem when it has nothing to do with him. And I'm a pastor. I don't put my problems on people. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. And just like, you're super, you're cute. You're really cute right now. But he was so kind and loving, and he was like, Nish, 
but what if? And he always gets me with the adventure question. He always gets me with the, what if you just did? So I sit there, I'm the last person to share, and I look at Greg and I go, I just tears immediately. And I had never shared with anybody outside of our leadership team, like what had happened with my stepdad last year. And I just shared the tiniest bit, you know, betrayal, loss of this person in my life, the reminding, the trigger, and I was like, I don't wanna have a wall up this entire weekend, and I'm so sorry, this has nothing to do with you, but I, I feel like I have to be honest. And Greg looked at me back with tears in his eyes, and we had no idea, but he then shared that he actually had a separation from his daughter. And it was such a paralleled story in detail that I won't share, but Greg did give me permission to share this, that the parallel was so beautiful, and so then he started actually praying and asking forgiveness for my dad and what he did, and then just speaking how much his love for his daughter, and it just like ministered to my heart, and then the group, we prayed together. It was incredible healing. We walked back into the room after that, totally changed. Our group was like, what just happened to us? And I was like, if that was the only reason I came to this retreat, it was worth it for that little moment, but God wasn't done. I remember looking around and everyone else is like laughing and we like come in and we've all been weeping. <laughs> that would be my group. <sighs> Y'all know. Don't pretend you don't know. <laughs> the depths. <laughs> what was so beautiful, you guys, is the next morning the Holy Spirit invited us to write out of that place of pain and the beauty of what had just happened in our sharing of the father and daughter story. And so Greg, me, Taryn, and Roger, we wrote a song that was essentially about where we land in this relationship that's not reconciled yet and keeping our heart open, wanting to keep our heart extended to the other person in the relationship. And we walked through this for hours, like fighting over every lyric because it was our story. It wasn't just a song. We were like, this would sound good if this is what happened. We were like, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. And we were both healed and more was revealed to us about how the other would feel. Like I had understanding of how my dad might feel. He had understanding of how his daughter might feel. It was beautiful, you guys. And so if you would be okay, we'd love to share the song with you. Because Greg is actually here. So I'm gonna invite Pete to play with us and Zarina, if she's here. Um, and Greg's gonna come up. And we wanna, we wanna share this with you guys, not as like a, oh, look at this awesome song, but because when we played it that night, there was actually so much healing. We had no idea that the Lord wanted to do. All the songs were beautiful that were shared. We, we were so honored to get to even share it. And after we were done, a girl stood up weeping and she said, I've been actually estranged from my dad. I don't remember how long, it was like, several months or several years, she had cut off relationship with him. And she looked at us and she was like, I'm gonna go call my dad. Like this, thank you for sharing this. And we, we just looked at each other and bawled because we were like, out of our little broken stories, like the Lord, that he would do this is so beautiful. And so if you guys would just receive this song, it's not a worship song, it's just a process song. We would love to sing it over you. And I just pray that your hearts would be met. Whether you're a daughter or a son, we all have parents, whether we know them or not, yeah? And I just pray that there would be deep healing. If you need to close your eyes and experience it, whatever, just this isn't a performance. This is just a moment for you and the Lord to reflect. And I want to encourage you guys that pressing into moments when someone reminds you of someone or you're triggered 
can actually end in beautiful healing, if you would let it. It's actually our weak areas. He gets to show himself strong. So we're going to sing this for y'all. Greg, thank you so much for being here. Guys, will you just honor Greg? We just honor you as a dad who is willing to fight for what love looks like, to pursue. Thank you for being here. He drove up from Reading early this morning. We just appreciate you. And I just pray for those that need to feel the touch of a father. Greg carries a father heart that's so beautiful. So I just pray that you be able to receive that today. of my heart 
that cannot be broken. Where I keep all the words that I should have spoken. And there's a door in my heart and I'll hold it open. just release that over you guys today. We release the Father's love in deep, deep, deep places. And we just, as we wrap up this morning, I just wanted to pray over any hearts that have experienced fatherlessness or motherlessness. It could be any parent figure. Honestly, the Lord wants to heal that. And so wherever you're at right now, if that's you, if you're like, I want to know the love of a father that tangibly, like more, more than even I experienced, he wants to meet you. My story is your story. If he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And so Jesus, we just pray right now for every heart. And if that's you, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room, we pray over your heart that you would experience the father of fathers in the places maybe of lack that you don't even know about. Maybe the places even in infancy you can't remember. He's gonna come in and we just pray healing over every place, every attachment wound, every place where you didn't think you could even have love for your dad because he hurt you so deeply, whatever it looks like, we pray blessing over your heart. I pray that the same way he miraculously showed up for me, that he would show up for you. In the places, maybe you had a broken family growing up. Maybe you feel like I never knew what marriage or love could look like because my family shattered. I just speak to your heart as I'm a walking testimony of this, but you can know real love. I speak the father's love over every part of your heart in Jesus' name. And I just invite you to ask him and dare him to come be your dad in a very practical way. 
We also just wanna speak over fathers. If you have, whether you're an amazing father and you're so connected to your kids or you want more connection with them, I just wanna bless your heart. And if that's, if you fall into that group and you're a dad who just wants more love, more of the father's love so that you can be a son who then imparts fathership, we just speak over your heart as a dad right now in Jesus' name that you are so incredible that you have something that your kids need. Even if you feel inadequate, you have more than enough. He wants to meet you. He wants to teach you how to be a dad in ways that you don't even know how to meet your kids. In the places you're like, I have no idea how to love them here. He is gonna come in and actually do like a workshop with your heart and hands-on teach you. He can be the hands-on dad. And I'm just gonna invite the worship team to just minister a little bit. And it, guys, it is 11.30. And so if you need to go get your kids, please go get your kids from Kingdom Kids and love on them. I know this is a tender moment. And if there's those of you, if you don't need to go right away, just feel free to linger here and be ministered to. If you have a dad that's amazing in your life, go love the heck out of them today. Go celebrate them, pour into them, reflect back to them all the ways they've loved and poured into you guys. We need the fathers in this generation. And so go love on your dad. Even if it was a broken relationship, maybe ask the Lord for a way that you can minister to your own dad's heart today or your husband, whoever it is. But Greg and I and some of our team, Ryan and Kate, any of our other leadership team that are here, we're gonna be up here for a few minutes. And we just felt it on our hearts to linger for just a few to pray specifically with any of you. And Greg's here. He's gone through school of ministry. He's an incredible heart. He's got a heart for dads, for kids. And he just wants to pray for anyone too that may just have pain in this area. And I have just experienced when we lay hands on people and pray, that's where my story started. So I just pray that you guys would leave today with a deeper understanding of the love of God than ever before in your life and that you'd never be the same because his love would be so close and so tangible. In Jesus' name, we love you guys. Have an amazing Father's Day, okay? And if you do wanna come up for prayer, you know, we're just gonna have a few of us up here, probably just for five to 10 minutes, and we'll just pray for you guys, okay? But otherwise, have an amazing day. Love y'all.